Alex is maybe still a little sweaty from his jog, running <laughs> dash to the apartment. Uh, but everybody here looks fantastic. Let's start the show out with some "Hey, how are yous?" I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hand it right to Alex. Hey, how are ya? I'm good. I'm boosted. I You're just boosted. Spent, I just spent uh, three hours waiting in line for a booster shot. Um, we they did a like a pop up clinic at the rec center across the park from us. So I figured, hey, that'll be easy. Just walk over, get the shot, and come home. Three hours later. <laughs> yeah, everybody got the same idea apparently. Yep. So. I was, and I was, I actually, I walked over there this morning and I thought, okay, you know, I'll see what things are like at 1130. And, uh, there was a line out the building. It's cold and snowing here. So I'm like not waiting outside for this. And, uh, I figured, well, I'll come back around, you know, one o'clock when the snow is actually coming down and maybe people won't be, you know, filtering in. And, uh, it was still a really long line. So, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated and boosted and, uh, ready to, I'm crossing my fingers. I get to stay home for the holidays, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a good thing though, right? That there was a long line. Like that's kind of oh, one yeah. of those, like this kind of sucks for me because I have to wait, but in the broader, like bigger picture, that's a good thing. I'd rather see that than like get up to the table and then just be like, you're the second person that's come through. Right. That's exactly what you. I mean. Like, you know, like, Oh great. No one, no one is doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a good thing. Kristen little change of scenery here today. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I just wanted to say before you get oh. started, Kristen, I, I am expecting some sort of like uh, reading of Christmas stories or this is very fireside chat. This is very I, I like fireside. It. I'm loving this. I got the fireplace right here. I should move the chair over next time and light a fire. Yes, we should have like fireside with Kristen, like fireside stories with Kristen. The bad thing That'd is be... I can't put the recliner back because that'd be a really weird view of the audience be looking up my nose um, yeah my husband's not feeling well so he uh went up to take a nap with all the boxers or dogs and uh i'm like oh i got the living room to myself and i was getting ready to go in the dining room and i'm like that chair looks awfully comfy yeah <laughs> so i'm also I got my little uh tray thing here and yeah maybe next time so i'll set up i'll good. set up in my big plushy chair over here next time and Alex will have to find his big chair, whichever. I don't know if Alex has a big chair, but if he does, no, no. Alex well, is the only one like, being healthy. Yeah. Alex well, I'm standing too. I'm like standing. Alex today. Yeah, there you go. And I'm just like getting as comfortable as I can get. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's, Alex was it's my sad. inspiration to get a standing desk and do this. So I thought about doing that, but yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still working on. I got to finish getting the tree up. I've been working on some projects around the house, um, but uh, binging way too much uh, TV. Like I was telling you earlier, I was, we finished watching the season two of The Witcher this morning, as I was uh, working getting the stream set up. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been my poor husband. I, I I have to tell this story. He actually was heading to work yesterday morning, and I called him to ask him a question. And he sounded all out of breath and uh, like he was outside. And I, and my first thought is, oh, my God, did he have an accident? The car, the truck breakdown or what? Well, it turns out on his way to work, he saw a house on fire. And he saw these flames coming out of a window and he spun his truck around, ran, you know, drove back over there, ran up to the house, started pounding. He saw two cars in the driveway and he's like, oh, crap. So he starts pounding on the, 
the door and then somebody else stopped and they, they were trying to help too. And they kicked in one door, but it was a vestibule and the windows were all black and there just was no way for them to get in. And um, of course he called 911 before they started doing that. So the, they were already on the way, but uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And uh, it turned out that there was somebody in there, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. uh, somebody was like 71 years year old man. And I'm thinking, cause the power was out around here, they had a, some kind of heater or something. But um, yeah, it was pretty tough on my husband. I think that's one of the reasons why he's feeling kind of eh today is because he now he's yeah. going, what could I have done more, you know? And yeah, yeah it sounds like he did really everything he could. I mean, that's. Yeah, he did. I'm like, you could have knocked open a, a window or door and, and you didn't yeah, even know. You could, have had a, there, you could have had you know? very quickly had a backdraft situation going on and that. that yeah. And then this morning he woke up and he had a message from the guy's son thanking him for trying to get his day yeah. to wake up this me think by the time my husband the thing that kills us is that my husband's like all these cars were driving in the opposite direction before i even got to that point so they had to have all just driven right by it oh you know sure. what i mean and not even stopped so it was just like it was yeah i don't so think i don't think most to, people would even you know know what to do in a situation like that you know well, at least call 911 nobody had even called 911 yeah. yet yeah i, I mean, mean it was yeah crazy. everybody should at least know to do that let you know yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that that's been that was a pretty uh pretty crazy scenario yeah, around here. And well, good on your I husband for at least trying. You know, that's yeah. And we keep trying to tell him that you know that, that you, there really wasn't anything else you could do. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know it sounds like he did everything he could. So he really wow. did. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, absolutely. Kudos and props to your husband. He deserves the rest with the boxers. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Is it, no, sleeping with the boxer. Yeah, no. We mean dogs, boxer dogs. Dogs, yes, with not the dogs. Not Mike Tyson. No, not Mike Tyson. Not Mike Tyson. Maybe Mike Tyson if one of your dogs was named Mike Tyson. Anyways, yeah. Uh, I don't have much for the hey how are you? Hey how are you? I'm tired. It's Saturday. We have like snowy, <laughs> rainy, ice crap here. That's, that's it. <laughs> that's my, hey, how are you? So, uh, ooh, sirens. I don't know if anybody else can hear that, but, uh, we bit. are going to, if Alex is ready, get into some legislation. You ready? Let's do it. Yeah, Let's sure. All right, Alex, what do we got this week? What do we need to keep our ears and eyes on? Well, uh, federally, nothing's changed since last week. Uh, we are still out of this, the, the Build Back Better Act. Um, and so uh, for those who are interested in sort of keeping up the uh, education campaign with your lawmakers, uh, by all means, take advantage of our uh, engagement and send them a message. Uh, but uh, as far as anyone knows or can tell, uh, the, vape, the nicotine tax is not in the bill and uh, we're likely looking at uh, if this moves uh, at all, uh, probably next year. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the year is winding down and there are still things being debated about the Build Back Better Act. Uh, so a vote by the end of next week does not look likely. Um, and that is really their last opportunity to do something. So anyway, uh, quick question, then what does that currently mean for us with our call to action? Is that something we're just going to keep up and live and ongoing until we have 
Yeah, it's 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 up and live until the last votes counted. Okay. Um, you know, we're we've uh, we've seen last minute behind closed doors changes or considerations to big budget bills like this in the past. Uh, and so, you know, as far as anyone's concerned, uh, like I said, we haven't heard any indication that this is going back in. Um, but uh, there's also no indication that anyone should ever trust Congress. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we we'll, noted. we'll wait until all the chickens are hatched uh, to take this thing down. And, and it's always it's always appropriate to reach out to lawmakers and, and share your experience and, and hopefully educate them further. Um, this this proposal is not going away. Uh, we will see uh, repeated attempts at the federal and state, of course, levels to tax nicotine, tax vapor products, um, and, and so on. So, um, you know, if people keep reaching out and keep sharing their stories and talking about how, uh, you know, in this particular instance, uh, you know, affordability helped them switch away from, from smoking, um, those are all really good points to remind lawmakers about uh, at any time. So uh, we, we're leaving our action, our call to action up as a matter of, you know, convenience and helping people focus on the potential issue at hand. Uh, and um, so, yeah, just uh, keep going. Uh, and I do see uh, Arbitrary Alias has a, uh, a question about um, Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy's proposal. Logan, you're getting to that uh, in, in your take. Yeah. So we'll don't, save that. Don't worry, Arbitrary Alias. We are absolutely going to be talking about it. Yep. So outside of the legislative rundown, it was just introduced. There's not even... Um, uh, 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 language post. There's no, there's no bill text or anything. Um, so we'll get to that later. No call to action at the moment. Um, so anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, the, uh, issue in Denver is resolved for now. That was a flavor ban. Uh, some may remember last week, mayor Hancock vetoed that, uh, and then went back to the full council for a veto override. They failed to override the veto. And I believe they even picked up another supporter on the city council. So even fewer votes um, or less votes. I forget, we had this discussion in one of our chats. I don't know if it's fewer or less, but uh, fewer votes than uh, than needed to override the veto. Well, since, since votes ends with an S, right? I, don't, I, don't, I think so we say few. I think that was, the, I don't remember. Fewer votes. <laughs> Jim and Danielle educated us on this. <laughs> I saw it. And, and I've already forgotten. So, so. anyway. Not enough. There were not enough votes to override the veto. And in fact, one person flipped to the um, support the veto side. And uh, so the flavor ban is dead for now. Um, but of course, there are some uh, well-funded groups in, in, uh, in Colorado, in, in, a lot, in the Midwestern region, um, who will, of course, be bringing this back, I'm sure. Uh, if not Denver, somewhere else. So everybody be on the lookout. We'll see more of this, more of these shenanigans going forward. Um, moving along to the next one, just a reminder, uh, Portland, Maine is looking at a uh, potential flavor ban. Um, the first reading is expected on January 19th. Uh, and I think I'm uh, waiting for some official kind of guidance or announcement about submitting written comments uh, at this time or once they start taking them. They are only taking written comments for in advance of this meeting. Um, a second reading will include a public comment section 
but that meeting has not been determined yet. I imagine we'll get some indication as to when to expect that at the January 19th meeting. So Portland, Maine, we have an engagement up for this. If you live in Portland, Maine, um, take advantage of that and start contacting your officials. Uh, this is not sort of what's not one of those automated point and click kind of things. There's an email address, any messages going to that address, go to the entire council. Um, and so feel free to use that for submitting your, your comments. Um, next on the list is Tempe, Arizona. Um, this has not really materialized into a, uh, a written bill yet, but we do have a call to action up for this. Uh, I, I, I remember correctly, I think this is probably a bit like Portland. Um, no, so I'm getting these confused. Portland does have something that will contact you, co connect you with your officials. Um, it's Tempe, Arizona that really just has an email address for the full city, city council. Um, and uh, this is still in the very early stages. So no ordinance has been drafted yet. Uh, as far as I'm aware, um, the staff have been directed to further research the issue and come back to the council with a presentation, not necessarily a draft ordinance. Um, so we can expect likely that will be a presentation made up of materials supplied by uh, Matt Myers and the body parts groups. Um, so we have that to look forward to. Um, so again, yeah, Tempe, Arizona, Portland, Maine, those are the local alerts. Denver, Colorado resolved for now and um, keep educating federal lawmakers about how to not screw us over. Um, <laughs> and with all of that being said, uh, I, I think, I don't know if, if there's a programming note here. Um, next weekend, we're not doing this. It's Christmas. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. And then the weekend after that is New Year's. Yeah. So we are off for the next two weekends. Uh, and so going into the new year, just this is the the last reminder of the year. If you live in Michigan, keep your uh, ear to the ground. Uh, we're expecting legislation uh, to come back. Um, and uh, this is the same stuff that we saw this year. And I think last year is a tie barred legislation that has taxes. I don't know if there was a flavor ban in there, um, but it, we're, we're expecting to see that package of legislation reintroduced in 2022. Uh, another piece of legislation that I have not really dug into uh, and don't really know, um, you know how much CASA really cares about this yet. Um, I'm all of that to say, I, I just don't know. Um, but we are watching a, a bill in Massachusetts uh, that would repeal a ban on menthol. Um, and uh, this also uh, I think there's something in here about flavored vapor products allowed for sale in smoke shops for on-site consumption uh, and a PMTA exemption for flavors, um, so which is, yeah, not that great, but um, it's, you know, uh, having a PMTA exemption is a step in the right direction for Massachusetts. Oh, that is, yeah. yeah. I meant the, uh, I meant the, you can use flavored vapes only if you stay in the, in the shop to yeah I, I, that, <laughs> that's that's dumb. it's dumb and i think it's it's mainly to sort of uh, appease uh the hookah folks hookah. and cigar folks uh it's really not with with the, any any interest in mind for people who are trying to quit smoking um so um so yep that's that and uh here ends the end of the legislative rundown 
All right. Uh, my only question here, and I, I don't know, maybe other folks have questions as well. Uh, even though we will not be doing live streams, if something pressing does come up during the next two weeks, will we still be able to get something put out there um, as far as a call to action or, or a heads up or something like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm even if I do end up traveling, I've got my laptop with me. I can get this stuff out. But I, I'll tell you, man, if somebody wants to pull some nonsense uh, on Christmas Eve, yeah. um, sure. I just know, wanted to, just to make burn sure it all that viewers knew that just just because we weren't going to be doing a show for the next two weeks, if something were to come up, that because I would still still have things out. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't like turn the lights out, lock the doors and go home. Right. OK, I'm already <laughs> home. So I don't think um, we ever do. Yeah, I knew the answer. I just wanted to uh, to make sure other yeah, people yeah. there were. And every, were. I mean, there have been cases in the past where I think we've seen things happen in that week between Christmas and New Year's, um, and, and it, for some reason, there are city councils all over the country that seem totally content with taking up a potentially very controversial issue, um, you know, a day or two following a, a national holiday. Right. Um, where people are not focused on the issue at hand and, and should really just be spending time with their friends and family and, and relaxing. Um, so yeah, who knows what could happen, but yeah, yeah. I'm hoping it doesn't. <laughs> Let's all go on vacation. It's been a tough couple of years. I agree. We all need a break. I agree. We all need a break. Yeah. Yeah. Even, uh, even politicians need a break right now. I hope they all take it. That's, that's my hope. Right. Take, all take a right. Long, a long permanent break. A long permanent vacation. Yes. Yeah, I need one of those too. Where do I sign up? All right. Well, if that is it for legislation, I say we get into some hot takes. Yes. Do Sweet. it. Let's do the thing. Okay. Takes. I don't know who's going first. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those days today. I will start. I, I put I'll it in back. our private chat. I was like, order of takes, so that way I don't have to look confused. Oh, I didn't. I did not even notice. I was looking at the. Nobody the else saw it. That's okay. I tried. <laughs> I just want everybody out okay, there. I, how about, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming a, tra a show tradition. All right. So I will go first. How's that sound? Um, Perfect. Alex and then Logan. Okay. Ooh, sure. I get to be segue um, guy. Cool. You get to be segue guy, but you guys, somebody watch the comments while I'm doing this. Um, okay, so my take today is about that um, article in The Lancet, which is, I think it's generally uh, research stuff. And hold on, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. And uh, it just, I don't know, it rubbed me the wrong way because... Um, it was just such a classic. Well, what is what is the article? What's the, what's the... I'm trying to pull it up right now. Hold on, I've got, I've got it. Okay. I can get it for you if. Uh... Um. So that's this is the uh, this is the article. I have a whole chunk of it highlighted. That. Hold on a second, and it's called um, "Another Public Health Catastrophe," and just right straight off the out of the gate they just uh, well not the first in the first but their 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 complaint is that the UK medicines and healthcare products is considering a uh, regulatory agency is considering in this is in the UK uh, prescriptions for vapor products 
on the National Health Service. And this is to help people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have the, the means to quit or might be a little afraid of, of vaping because of all the misinformation that's been coming from basically us uh, in the U.S. And, um, and so they're, they're wanting, and we talked about this a few shows ago about wanting to do this. And um, the first, I mean, if they, they go from that and then the second sentence just shows you where they're coming from with this because it says this consideration heralds the next big revenue stream for big tobacco. I mean, if you really are in public health, I would think the first sentence or the first thought should not be about, oh my goodness, is big tobacco going to make money off this? It should be, is this going to help people, you know? And that's the thing that just made me go, wait, what? This is coming from the UK. This is weird. And, you know, of course, apparently they have anti uh, nicotine and tobacco zealots there as well. And um, they, they're pretty much giving credit to big tobacco lobbyists for campaigning for these prescription uh, vapes um, as UK smoking rates dwindle. You know, talk about just not making that connection of, okay, smoking rates are dwindling because people are switching to vaping in your country. You know, it, it, whether or not big tobacco is making money off of it is not even relevant. Um, and then, so down here, it's basically saying, um, Big Pharma's making attempts. Uh, okay, so the, the argument underpinning this, I don't even know how to say it, Voltifas, physicians always shun so-called Big Pharma's attempts at co-option under the guise of anti-smoking, is that e-cigarettes are safer than conventional cigarettes, an assertion that could prove as harmful as the endorsement of tobacco by physicians in between 1920 and 1950. So, I mean, they're trying to compare that, but come down here is where this this part right here got me. Okay, so here's their proof, right? It says the immediate toxic effects of toxic effects of e-cigarettes far outweigh those of conventional cigarettes. I'm gonna say that again. The immediate toxic effects of e-cigarettes far outweigh those of conventional cigarettes. And here you can see that they have some some links here. And I went and looked at those links, and essentially, um, Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, essentially, there's three studies that they're using as their proof that the immediate toxic effects, toxic effects of e-cigarettes far outweigh conventional cigarettes. Is the first one number four here is um, threatening? It's a bronchitis-related electronic cigarette use in, a, in one Canadian youth. Okay, and here's a snippet from that study. On further questioning, the 18-year-old patient disclosed a history of extensive vaping in the preceding six months, including nicotine and THC-containing products. Okay, so not even nicotine cigarettes, which is what they're not talking about putting prescription THC vapes in the UK. It's the nicotine one. So first one out, you know, number four, this this one right here is out. The next one right here, uh, life sensitive, life threatening hypersensitivity. Um, that one uh, quote from this one, we report a case of hypersensitivity pneumonitis HP in a young person secondary to vaping. I had to Google what that was, what HP was. It's basically that's that study they're using as their proof that the toxic effects of vaping outweigh conventional cigarettes. That was a single case of an allergic reaction. Um, and then the last one here, vaping associated lung agent injury. Guess what that one was? Ooh, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here. 
Vitamin what is you volleying for fifty five hundred, Alex? Yeah, right. <laughs> or Alex? Sorry. That um, sentence though is, is I'm I'm going mad right now. Like I'm a little I'm going a little crazy over that immediate toxic effects of e-cigarettes far outweighing right? those of conventional cigarettes. Right? So we have we have at least well over I don't know what is what are we at now? Like fifteen years that e-cigarettes have been commercially available. So these immediate effects, which so far have been nothing, far outweigh. The 8 million global lives that are lost to conventional cigarettes every single year. Yeah. I mean, can someone please just break down the mental gymnastics that are required to actually put that sentence in print? Right. And they're, and they're putting this in there. They put those little, those little uh, citation numbers there and hope that nobody's going to ever go look at it. Because again, for number three, life threatening uh, bronchiolitis related to chronic cigarette. No, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. Um, that it was the the four. I got them backwards. That one was yeah. Maybe that one. That one was the one that said on further questioning the eighteen year old patient. So that one number six was vaping and sodium lung injury. Um, and again, that so that's basically Evali. And then number two was the hypersensitivity. That was the um, allergic reaction. And then the third one was called life threatening bronchiolitis related to e-cigarette use in a Canadian youth. And again. Single case of a 17-year-old male who presented with a um, intractable cough, progressive, uh, I can't pronounce, malaise after vaping flavored e-liquids and THC intensively. So that one essentially was Evali again, you know, or Vivali. So we're looking at two cases Evali. of Evali and one case of an allergic reaction. And um, all three of those, you know, they're all three of these things they're saying that these prove that e-cigarettes far this is the best they could find to prove to support their claim that the that it far outweighs you know the the threat the risk from e-cigarettes far outweigh those of conventional cigarettes with these that's the best they could find was three studies of single cases of a single person and two of those two out of those three are completely irrelevant the volume is completely irrelevant to the discussion and when it comes to the uh the case of, of, of an allergic reaction, this is something that is easily taken care of. Uh, if it's a PG reaction, you could just go with VG as a base for your liquid, vice versa. If it's a vegetable glycerin allergy, propylene glycol, they, uh, the, you can vape. You don't have to have both in an e-liquid to vape it. Either one works. I used to get purely PG liquids when I would go watch football games with my friend Kevin because he has an issue with vegetable glycerin. And he was like, look, I don't mind you vaping, but I just, I have an allergic reaction to VG. And I was like, oh bro, I'll just go get PG liquids. And I would keep like 20 mils of just PG liquids around when I would go over there and he would have no issue. Issue resolved, easily resolved. Right. But that even then we're talking about an allergic reaction. Uh, It was not a deadly allergic reaction he had. And just about everything in the world, somebody could have an allergy to. So you can't say that that's going to outweigh the risks you know, sure about the short-term that, reaction. That definitely, people... most definitely outweighs the cost of 8 million right. lives lost every year, obviously. Yeah, but even to claim that because there's people who have sensitive, I don't think they're, they're officially, I don't think you can really call it officially an allergy, but they have sensitivity issues and they have severe reactions to cigarette smoke too. And there's sure. many, many documentations of that. And here's one case of a person who did it with vaping and somehow that outweighs. But yeah. And then the, the next thing was um, 
was that they say there's no robust evidence that e-cigarettes accelerate smoking cessation. E-cigarettes should be probably compared with existing methods of quitting smoking, not with smoking, but with quitting smoking. That's the only thing that matters. And they say the single study cited by Public Health England suggesting the benefit of e-cigarettes showed that after one year, smokers using conventional nicotine replacement had quit smoking, whereas those using e-cigarettes were still using these devices. Okay, let's let's stop there because the next sentence kind of is a whole separate thing. But real quick, you see that there's that little citation right there, number seven, and that's the that. Oh, sorry, that's all goofy. So there you can see that's that's the one the one thing. Look at the date on that. Yeah, this is the well, study showing that e-cigarettes were about twice as effective right, as right. traditional NRTs. Right. And so the thing is, <clears throat> is that they completely ignore the fact that since 2019, that is not the only study that has been done <laughs> that no, shows that not. these are effective. Pro I mean, I came up, I've got at least, uh, let's see. Um, so yeah, it's like there's been other studies showing efficacy since 2019 in addition um, smoking decline rates have accelerated as vaping rates increase for adults, both adults and youth. This is real world evidence that vaping not only hasn't stalled quit rates, it hasn't led to youth smoking. Uh, FDA and others often talk of an off ramp for people who smoke versus the possible on ramp to smoking from uh, youth use, but they completely ignore the side ramp that's an alternative for youth to take them towards vaping instead of to smoking. You know, so that's so whether or not they work, my, my point is whether or not they work as smoking cessation, that's not their only job. That's not the only thing. But yeah, there's I, I, a real quick Google search and that came up with, let's see. Um, I found one study from 2021 called e-cigarette use in adult cigarette smoking cessation, which ironically did determine that vaping was not effective as a consumer product for smoking cessation, but may warrant consideration as a prescription therapy. <laughs> so it's like, um, okay, so that one didn't say that, you know, buying it over the counter is good, but they actually recommend it. Um, then there was another one from 2021 called Electronic Cigarettes for Smoking Cessation that found there's moderate certainty evidence that uh, e-cigarettes with nicotine increased rates. I believe that was Cochrane. And then, um, I, I mean, and there's, just, there's just dozens. There's just dozens. Now, the next thing in that paragraph, it says, um, after smokers... Um, it says, whereas those using e-cigarettes were still using the devices, essentially exchanging one form of nic nicotine addiction for another. And again, that's going back to this whole idea that, you know, you have to, you have to quit everything. You know, the, the whole point is to, is to not smoke, is to not have the most deadly thing. Um, it, and the, there's one thing I do want to say in here. It says, the robust evidence, no robust evidence. They use that word, whoops, they use that word robust on purpose because they can't say there's no evidence. So now they want robust evidence, but it doesn't matter. That word is miss, often missing when you're looking at the previous paragraph of their evidence that it's worse than smoking. That and I would call any of it, that. It leaves the door wide open, right? When you right. say there's no robust evidence, well, how much is robust? For you, when exactly. does that become enough evidence? And yeah, you could, you, we could have, we could have literally thousands of studies and you could still say, well, there's no robust evidence right. because and you it's just a left standard it open. Because their evidence above may as well be anecdotes. You know, they purposely use the word robust to try to exclude the many studies that have found vaping worked as well as, if not better than 
NRT or cold turkey, and their requirement for robust evidence seems to be missing when they're looking at these other studies. And this expectation also ignores one feature of vaping that's completely missing from what they want to compare it to. They say, oh, you have to have studies comparing it to NRT. And that one thing that's completely missing from NRT or um, uh, depression drugs, Shantix, Shantix, Shant I forget Champix. what they call it in Europe, Champix hypnosis, all those other things. The one thing that, that, that vaping has that they don't have is accidental quitting. No one's ever tried a FDA approved cessation method without the intent to quit smoking. Yet the story of accidental quitting is very common amongst vapors. You know, I wasn't even trying to quit or I just got it so I could use it at work or so I could, you know, not have to go outside in the winter or whatever. Next thing I know I'm using them all, but whoever bought the, you know, a patch for that but very rarely oh yeah I, I, I went to the store for mint gum and i just bought nicorette on a oh, whim and fell in my cart you know yeah you know they were all out um, of orbit so i bought nicorette i figured what the hell right and then this claim of those using e-cigarettes are still using these the people who were using e-cigarettes are still using those devices essentially exchanging one form of nicotine for another and this comment clearly demonstrates an outright rejection for harm reduction because it clearly doesn't matter if people are still using nicotine if there's little to no negative health effects. It's like claiming people, oh, oh no, more people are going to fly in airplanes if we make airplanes safer. So let's not make airplanes safer. You know, it's like, yeah, people are going to use it. People are going to keep doing it. It doesn't just because there's some risk to, to it doesn't mean they have to do it. And you've completely lost sight of the fact that the whole reason you wanted people to stop using nicotine was to stop them from smoking, inhaling smoke. Um, and, you know, and it, it just says, uh, my last quote, I think the suggestion that e-cigarettes are a benign alternative will encourage smokers aiming to quit to take up vaping in uh, preference to conventional, that was down here, um, and also this comment here too, thus guaranteed continue, guaranteeing continued income for big tobacco. Who cares? Who the heck cares if big tobacco is making money if nobody's dying from it? You know, that, that, that's completely lost sight of, of what the goal was supposed to be, of what the end game was supposed to be down to 5% smoking or less. It wasn't supposed to be whether or not big tobacco makes money doing it. You know, and then this last one was um, uh, the suggestion that e-cigarettes are a benign alternative will encourage smokers aiming to quit to take up vaping in preference to conventional nicotine replacement. Nicotine addiction will therefore not diminish. Again, who cares? But what about the fact that they're relatively com benign compared to smoking? So let's let's change that to um, the fact that they're relatively benign compared to smoking will encourage people who smoke who don't even want to quit or people who otherwise would have started smoking to take up vaping in preference to cigarettes. There, fix that for them. <laughs> you know, cause it's like, oh, they're not gonna, they're gonna use these things instead of instead of using NRT and quit completely. It's like, yeah, but what about people who are gonna use them and not smoke? You know, there's yeah. no evidence that vaping is, is a threat to fighting smoking. They're clearly more concerned now with uh, tobacco industry making money and people using nicotine in a safer way. And thankfully, this is not does not seem to be the greater attitude in uh, in England. Otherwise, we they wouldn't be where they are today. But this just is a real great insight to how these, you know, oh, none of that was actually you know, have you leave that up for just a second. Oh, OK. 
Um, I'm not trying to make your take any longer, but I, I just wanted that second paragraph that we were in. Um, uh, the robust evidence and um, this one? where they were talking about, um, oh, right here. Yes. Uh, the single study cited by Public Health England suggesting the benefits of e-cigarettes showed that after one year, smokers using conventional nicotine replacement had quit smoking, whereas using e-cigarettes were still using these devices. So after a year, people who were still using NRTs, they quit smoking. Right. But and after a year, people still using e-cigarettes did not quit smoking. Right. They did quit smoking, but they're still Both using groups quit smoking. Like, it doesn't matter. They're but still somehow, that you know, count. we have to paint the NRT as as the good thing here, you know, because it's approved. It's whatever. It's 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 pharmaceutical. That's fine. They're not smoking. But if they're using right. e-cigarette, also a much safer form of nicotine. No, you're still smoking. Right. So we kind of yeah. fumble on the 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 idea of like if you're still using nicotine after a year. It just depends on which nicotine you're using. That's how it qualifies. Yeah. And how about that? That's just absurd. It's just absolutely absurd. What about that second year? The second year were the people who had used NRT and quit smoking at year one. How many of them were still quit smoking? And how many of the people who were vaping in the second year were still just vaping? Yeah. We know know, past year use for NRT products, as far as quit rates go, is dismal. So. Exactly. And we do I just know, wanted that. To throw out know that, that again, there's just a massive amount of mental gymnastics that it takes to go, well, if you're using this safer nicotine, you've quit smoking. But if you're using this safer nicotine, you haven't, even though both groups have actually, in fact, quit smoking. I, yeah. I, 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 I would I would argue that there are absolutely actually no gymnastics involved in this because <laughs> gymnastics takes effort. And I'm just looking, I'm just looking at the, I mean, you've got the list of authors, seven authors, Mm -hmm. seven authors on this piece of garbage letter to the Lancet. First of all, all of the studies that you pointed out, Kristen, I I, I looked at at the one with the the guy that was also vaping THC. I I just, I, I don't know, unless you're lazy or stupid, how you include those in there as evidence of this immediate harm from vaping. And then, of course, including the, the, the study at the end showing that, that vaping was actually more uh, effective than uh, NRT. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, does the Lancet review this stuff at all before they publish it? And how is it that seven people worked on this and actually didn't support their case at all? At all. It's, yeah. it's mind like If this were something, I, I imagine that there is a professor of something out there who is reading this and saying, if my students had handed this in, I would have just failed them out of the class. This is completely unacceptable. Yeah, yeah and I'm going to put the, I'm going to drop the link in the in the chat, but it is also in the blog. You'll see a big quote in there from it. It, it, it was just infuriating when I was reading it. And when I started clicking on those sources, I mean, seriously, we have how many testimonials like 13,000 testimonials on our website and those are all anecdotes but they can use a single case of somebody who came in and complained as evidence to make this broad statement that e-cigarettes have you know more toxic effects than than and their, their whole point is 
early, like quick, like immediate toxin effects, like when you first use it, um, then, then cigarettes do. And first of all, none of those studies prove that. And second of all, they're all just an individual person. That, that's not even, that's to me, that's an anecdote. I don't care if yeah. somebody studied them or not. That's one person. That is not a study. That's one person you study. That's one experience. And we're all anecdotes. Oh, it was just infuriating. And I want people to see that because I want them to be able to understand how to analyze these things when you see these and, and break them down and don't take them for face value and, and call them out on it. We got to call them out on it, that it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's utter, utter junk. Time, so. <laughs> junk so, so that's my take thank you very little <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry for dragging that out a bit i was like as we were going through it though, like, i could feel my blood boil i was just yeah, like oh my god it really is it oh is it's god. hard and yeah, i couldn't yeah. there's more and there's more after that but i'm gonna let people read it on their own and and, yeah. and tear it apart yeah. but it's, just I hope, anybody, I hope, take your blood pressure medicine first because right? i hope everybody i hope the people in england just ignore it because it's for the junk it is because it's, yeah. it's just literally junk so your turn alex <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go pour a glass of wine up your back up <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know how much time i'm gonna spend on this because I, I i i spent all my prep time today standing in line for a booster shot so um, I, I did manage to read uh, most of uh, New Zealand's response to their consul consultation. And by the way, my my take here is on New Zealand's um, uh, smoke-free 2025. And I, I did look up how to pronounce this, and, and I, I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but um, here we go. Uh, how... how Tiroa. Oh, that Tiroa, one. That's right. We had which, problems with that last week. <laughs> which according, according to the one YouTube source that I uh, watched, is uh, it means for it's it stand or it means the land of the long white cloud, uh, which I think they're talking about the roll clouds that you sometimes see, uh, and I think that happens very frequently off the coast of New Zealand. So they're not, not talking sure. about like a. a 0.12 dual no. coil build no. on a 2170 no. mac. No, stop. Absolutely not. Not all <laughs> cloud references are related to vaping. Everybody, calm down. Um. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know the nuts and bolts of this uh, plan. I, I I I can't get too deep into it because I I, I like I said I, I read a little bit of the most of the sort of response to all the comments that uh, the New Zealand solicited during their sort of consultation process. Um, and a few of the points that sort of stuck out me stuck out at me um, were number one, I, I, I'm not totally familiar with licensing in New Zealand, but um, it, it sounds like just reading uh, you know the responses and the comments that, that licensing for tobacco retailers is sort of non-existent there. Uh, and so that was one of the things that was proposed. Um, and I, I think what comes with this licensing proposal is uh, the idea that they will be able to kind of whittle down the number of licenses over time. Um, and uh, so that's obviously got retailers very concerned. Uh, and again, I haven't dug really deep into this policy, but you know, whenever we hear things about licensing, I always think about what New York City did. Uh, which was very dramatic, and you know, in a city with thousands of tobacco dealer licenses, uh, New York City 
enacted an ordinance that was intended to to drop that number by half. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I think there was sort of a separate e-cigarette license, uh, but uh, it, it was sort of you know it was capped at whatever you know whatever licenses were out there at the time of the ordinance, which are remarkably fewer than the tobacco dealer licenses. Uh, and still sort of on that same attitude of, and we're going to cut these by half. Um, so I'm not quite sure how New Zealand has made this distinction between tobacco dealers and perhaps, you know, specialized vape shops. Um, and because what we see the pattern around the world is that all tobacco is all tobacco and it doesn't matter if it's vapor or tobacco leaf. Um, and, and so I, I don't know whether or not New Zealand has taken care with this distinction between the licenses and whether or not they will continue allowing new, uh, for example, vapor licenses to be issued. Um, but generally, I, you know, I guess I should probably should have set the table with this, that this policy uh, hinges on vapor products being available and, and promoted uh, so that while New Zealand goes through the process of doing these very um, uh, extreme regulations on cigarettes that people have a place to go. Um, in that list of uh, regulations on cigarettes, smoked tobacco products um, will be things like uh, removing filters. Uh, in other words, you wouldn't be able to sell cigarettes with filters on them, uh, and which I, I'm, I'm a little bit torn about. Um, you know, it, it's sort of like acknowledging, uh, you know, in our, our statement on menthol, uh, menthol only exists in cigarettes to make them more palatable. Uh, that's it. Uh, there, there is no health benefit. There is no harm reduction. There is no other quality that comes with menthol other than making the cigarette more palatable to consumers. Uh, and so as we're having this conversation about, you know, allowing or disallowing products to be available, um, you know, let's, let's look at leaf tobacco as leaf tobacco. If you want to sell it, just sell leaf tobacco. So I, I think for a lot of people, that's kind of the perspective. Now, of course, we take a more nuanced look at this and consider underground sales, uh, and where people will go when their preferred product is not legally available, which is anywhere, any, anywhere they can get it. Uh, and so, um, while it sounds reasonable to do things like make cigarettes unattractive by lowering nicotine, removing filters, banning menthol and all of that, consumers are crafty. We will find a way around this uh, and we will seek these products out perhaps in more risky environments uh, than, of course, your 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 corner convenience store or, or a dairy uh, in New Zealand. Um, so... Uh, Ultimately, a lot of the feedback that we've seen from, you know, our friends around the Internet and in the tobacco harm reduction space uh, has been a lot of concern for these burdensome ideas, burdensome policies that are going to be uh, imposed on, on cigarettes. Um, and I, I wasn't actually really clear about the smoke free places. Um, it, it seems like New Zealand certainly has some of these uh, smoke, you know, outdoor smoking bans, uh, indoor smoking bans, of course. Uh, and I'm not totally clear on um, what, uh, how that will be applied to vaping. Uh, in their consultation, a lot of the responses, I think the, the first one they listed was um, people's fear about uh, the risk to bystanders. Um, and there are young people, I think, supporting uh, 
place bans because it, uh, well, it was the place bans and the licensing that garnered support from youth because it uh, makes them less tempted to buy these products. Um, so anyway, the other kind of thing, I, I, I apologize for not presenting a whole lot of details on this, even though I've had, you know, a week and a half or so to review all of this. Um, I, I, again, spent my afternoon in line, <laughs> not taking notes and reading and writing things down. Um, but, you know, one of the things that that we're all concerned about, we should be concerned about, is that this, is, this isn't the first time a proposal like this uh, has been, you know, fired across the bow. Um, and also, you know, I think one of the reasons why this is so extreme is because, well, 2025 is is now three years away. If New Zealand's goal is to get smoking prevalence down below 5% or completely gone in three years, uh, I, that I imagine to some people justifies very heavy handed treatment of smoked tobacco. Um, but you know, just because you're in a pinch for time doesn't necessarily mean that those heavy handed regulations are going to work any better than any other time of the year. Uh, and so, uh, I, I think, um, you know, and they made that goal. I mean, right. it's, it's their you own created the goal. You can move the goalpost. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of other people are doing 2030, like give yourself, you know, the eight years to do it, 10 years to do it. I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, in the United States, had e-cigarettes been kind of left alone, um, you know, we might be meeting a 2025 goal or a 2030 goal in terms of getting smoking prevalence down below 5%. We're not going to get there now, um, or at least it's not likely until unless things change. Um, but uh, so anyway, uh, th th there are parallels between what New Zealand is doing and what FDA proposed uh, four years ago in 2017. Uh, you know, this is uh, you know, in addition, different from what uh, New Zealand is doing in the United States, the big policy proposals were banning menthol and mandating uh, very low nicotine content in cigarettes. Uh, low nicotine is, is also what New Zealand is proposing. And uh, I mean, everything that they're doing to the cigarette makes it just a totally unattractive product. Um, unless, of course, you, you, you like that. I smoked camel, uh, just regular camels with no filter in college. Um, that was pretty painful, but you know, you smoke two packs a day of anything and it's going to catch up with you. Um, yeah. so, um, all of that to say, no matter how much support people have for something like this and, um, support for the proposal here in the United States, uh, what's really remarkable to me is that it doesn't seem that anybody, uh, in the, in the regulatory space or public health space are willing to entertain the idea that, simply, you know, responsibly regulating alternative nicotine products and um, not just allowing them to exist, but actively promoting them through our departments of health through, I mean, CDC should get on board with this. FDA should get on board with this, promote the alternatives, promote harm reduction. Well, just yeah. doing that, I believe, I think will significantly reduce smoking prevalence. We will meet goals within 10 years and we don't have to lift a finger to do anything to cigarettes that hasn't already been done. People right. will naturally see, okay, the safer products are getting preferential treatment. I, they are more affordable than smoking. Oh, and you know, I can worry a little bit less about the probability of dying early. Um, so, you know, if those are your goals, 
vaping is for you. And, uh, you know, we don't have to put people in positions where they may actually seek out riskier sources of these products. Um, so anyway, I, nothing particularly groundbreaking in my take there. I, and I, again, I apologize for being underprepared here. Um, but we did promise we'd, we'd, we'd get to it. And, and, and I, I imagine you guys might have some points to bring up. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I did actually, and I'll try to keep it brief, but the, I just, as an overview in case people had not, didn't catch that is that they're not just making it illegal to sell to anybody who's turned 14. Um, and that person will forever be not able to buy cigarettes or, and I think it's any kind of tobacco, not just cigarettes, but they can buy vapor products. And a lot of, uh, people who support vaping say, Oh, that's great. You know, they can still have vapor products. Um, and on the surface, it kind of seems like it, but I'll get to that. It's not, it's not only that, but they're also claimed that, well, this is not affecting any current, you know, people who currently smoke. It's not affecting adults. It's a nice way to do this. It's only a, a law of people who've never started smoking. So, you know, this is, this is a gentler way to do it, but they completely ignore that part where they're going to pretty much take nicotine out of all cigarettes so that is going to affect people who currently smoke and they're going to ban filters. So now people who use filtered cigarettes, they're trying to make them more harsh and make it less appealing for those people who currently smoke. So where this whole gentler, nicer thing to um, you may as well just ban them. I mean, you're, you're not really doing anything that's nicer or whatnot. Um, so that that's a horrible thing, too. It, it's a horrible thing to just you're, you're essentially and, as, and they're not they're not uh, gradually bringing in the nicotine, you know, lowering the nicotine levels. They're just like from one day you have to be at, you're at this level. The next day you have to be at that level. So they're essentially making however many people. And I think New Zealand, New Zealand already has a fairly lower compared to the rest of the country smoking rate, except for amongst similar to the U S amongst minorities and people who are on the lower income level and people with mental health illness, all the other same things that have higher smoking rates, they have them there too. And, um, and, they're, and they're indigenous people, the Maori. Right. I think, I think smoking prevalence meant, is like 30 some, some odd percent. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I, I meant by- I believe it's even higher minorities, um, amongst yeah. Maori women, actually. This is a mm. conversation I had with uh, Dr. Marewa Glover uh, quite some time ago. So I don't know what those numbers look like now, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's significantly higher, it's yeah, dis it's, disproportionately higher. Um, right, so their, it's going to affect them people. the same way as what we talk about with the, and that's what I was getting to, was that they're going to have that same effect of the, all the things we argued about the menthol bans here, um, and 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 certain things that are going to affect. They're always saying again, it's like we're from the government, we're here to help. That's you know, the scariest words <laughs> that anybody can say, because. They, they, they know better than the Maori. They know better than these minorities. They know better than these people because they're the government and they're going to make them healthy whether they want to or not. And then you end up with this crazy scenario with this bizarro future where in another, um, what, let's say 30 years, you're going to have a 45-year-old person who can smoke these horrible filterless uh, nicotine-free cigarettes and a 44-year-old person who is illegal for them to. Because people have in their brain, oh, a 14-year-old. They're not thinking about in 30 years, that person's going to be 44. 
and it, well, I think adult, I, I think I think they're thinking that by 2025 they're going to have this whole tobacco industry thing licked, and they're the only thing yeah. on the on the market after that is going to be vapor products. Dreaming, and and that's <laughs> the other, that's the other thing is that is the black market. They already have the second highest black market for cigarettes in the Asian Pacific area because of their taxes and their regulations on cigarettes. What do they think is going to happen? Well, that, that black market is just going to disappear. You know, yeah, it's both that 44-year-old and the 43-year-old are both just going to smoke illicit cigarettes with filters and nicotine anyway. And it doesn't do anything. <laughs> and you've already got the anti-people saying, well, we have to ban. And there was an article. I hadn't shared it yet through the Kasakam, but there was an article that they're complaining that, oh, this law is great, but it's just not taking into account vaping. They got to ban this stuff, vaping too, because people are just going to take the nicotine from the vaping stuff and put it in the cigarettes. You know, I'm just like... <laughs> You know, we did that facepalm meme where all, you know, it, it's ridiculous. And you're going to have a black market. You're going to have, you're, you're not, you're not addressing the generational cycle of smoking because you're going to have parents of these 14 year olds who are still going to be smoking, older siblings of these 14 year olds who are still going to be smoking. And that generational thing is there. So that kid, just because they legally can't get it, which they already legally can't get it, just because they've turned 23, you really think that family of generational smokers, and I'm sorry to use that term, but it's the easiest way to say it, of, of people who smoke, they're going to all be sitting around the backyard, everybody smoking and not the 22-year-old, and you're not going to hand their pack of cigarettes or a cigarette or whatever. You know, it's it's just this pipe dream that's just so detached from reality you know yeah. just detached from reality and it's just not a whole good. lot of there's a whole lot of coercion uh in this whole policy yeah and vapor should not just be supporting this riddled with lacking sovereignty and autonomy for people yeah we should not be supporting this as vapors we should not say oh well they're gonna allow vaping so then it's still a good thing go ahead and ban the cigarettes for how long yeah how long is it not going to be they're already starting about talking to doing it to vaping and we we've gone over this many many times with other things when they said ban jewel or ban online sales or ban this or ban that as long as it's not the thing that i like you know yeah. go ahead and ban those things and you're, you're taking away what's next are they going to say every 14 year old can't eat sugar every 14 year old can never have alcohol every 14 year old can never have meat you know i mean it sounds like you know the slippery slope conspiracy but if you look at where we were when we first started with smoking bans initially they just said that we just want to have separate sections for smokers and non-smokers where there's no slippery slope we're not going to be banning smoking or banning taking away your you know right to smoke in your own home and that's exactly what they're doing 30 years later so don't think that it won't continue yeah. but yeah sorry that was my rant but <laughs> This was supposed to be a deep dive today, so yeah. but we had we have Jim, and we, so we have to get to that. Sorry, we about do that. have to get to Jim. He is eager and patiently yeah. waiting. So I'm going to get through my take really quick, and I'm going to try to not make this seem like a big "we told you so" thing. Um, so, Congressman sets his sights on unregulated synthetic nicotine. This article is from Alex Norsha over at Filter uh, back in November, uh, and this is talking about. Uh, Raja Krishnamurthy and Representative Cheryl's new uh, bill proposal. Um, this is there's there's videos and things like this with with Raja um, and them talking to Puff Bar and and whatnot. This is all around synthetic 
nicotine. This is an excellent article. I just wanted to share this so people, uh, in case people miss this from Filter, this is a great article that people should go on and read. Unfortunately, like Alex said earlier, we do not actually have any bill text yet. Uh, there's no available text for the bill. Um, we went digging for it today to try to try to see if we could pull it up to actually share that. But otherwise, we've just got a couple of press releases, but it is being called the Clarifying Authority Over Nicotine Act. Uh, and basically what it is trying to establish is regulatory authority for the FDA over synthetic nicotine, because as it stands, the FDA does not have authority over synthetic nicotine. Um, and that's that's really what this is aiming to do um, is to give them give them authority uh, because of, quote, questionable actors like Puff Bar, uh, who have used unregulated synthetic nicotine to become the number one children's e-cigarette brand. Uh, yeah, it's just right there next to the action figures and the My Little Ponies on all the shelves with 26 percent of kids who vape using their product. Twenty six percent. Wow. Uh, so this loophole, you know, loophole, got to love the loophole language here, uh, have been able to sell flavored e-cigarettes uh, and market their product to the youth. Again, marketing directly to youth, commercials on kids programming and things that doesn't exist. They're not marketing to the youth. Um, yeah. So again, we don't have any bill text, but this is something that we've been talking about when we did a, a I don't remember if it was a deep dive or it was just a take uh, a while ago on synthetic nicotine, we kind of all agreed that while synthetic nicotine is going to keep the industry going for some time, um, just to, to kind of keep keep products available for people, that it was just kind of a kicking the can down the road thing, that one way or another, FDA is probably going to end up regulating nicotine, synthetic nicotine, whether it uh, falls under the, um, the tobacco product area, whether it falls under their center for tobacco products or whether synthetic nicotine would end up being a drug. Um, this, this bill proposal essentially is trying to just bring it right in as far as my understanding is, uh, under all the rest of nicotine, uh, as a tobacco product. So again, we don't actually have any full bill text. I'd really like to revisit this as a take later when we do, when we have a bit more detail about it, when we can actually share and show the bill. Um, and then obviously, uh, Kasa will be doing things there as well, but I did want to put this out there that this is officially a thing now. Uh, it's a, it like, it's a thing. It's a real thing. It's not just a speculation thing. This is a thing thing. Uh, and that's where we're at. Uh, so there's this press release from Raja Krishnamurthy. And then there's this, also this special, uh, this press release um, from Congresswoman Cheryl. I believe Representative Cheryl is the one who introduced this and Krishnamurthy is a co-sponsor of the bill. And I believe there is one other co-sponsor on this bill, if I remember correctly, but I'm not sure off the top of my head who that is. And I don't think there's a press release out from them uh, yet either. These are the two that we have. So, so that's that. That's my take. Um, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to be all, you know, we told you so or whatever with everybody. Cause that's, I don't really want to do that, but I think we kind of, we kind of nailed it when we said this is definitely, there's definitely going to be legislation introduced around synthetic nicotine that it's not, just gonna be a, you know, an option out there forever. Right. And I just want to clarify the, the reason we, we did find the bill number and everything on the Congress 
uh, website, but the text still has not been uploaded. Right. To it. Yeah. So it's yeah. not that we just couldn't find it. We found the bill and everything, but they have not uploaded the text yet to the uh, government website. So that's yeah, it, it usually takes it takes a little bit. I don't have a time frame, but it can take a week or so from introduction to right. from the time you see press releases to the time you actually see the bill text. It can take a week, a month. It depends on what's going on. Um, but I, you know, we'll have that in a list and, and keep track, keep track of it. Right. Sure. Absolutely. All right. That's my take. Uh, so I, I think we're ready, uh, for the star of the show who is patiently waiting on all of us. And I'm sure everybody is ready to just finally hear all the wonderful things that he has to say. So let's do the thing. It's time to take a deep dive. Jim! What a nice introduction. Welcome. Welcome, Jim McDonald, everybody. Uh, also a board member here at CASA, a wealth of knowledge, and a lawn that no one dares step on. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm drunk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, a, a couple things before we get started on uh, Dr. Califf. Um you were talking about less and fewer earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I found a nice rule for how you figure that. It's less if it's something you can count. One, two, three, four, five of them. Oh. And it's fewer if you can't count it, if it's only measured. <clears throat> so. Interesting. Yeah. Um, less water, fewer drops. You can count drops. You can't count water. Right. And the same thing okay. goes for number. The same thing goes for number and amount. You can have an amount of water, but you have a number of drops. There you go. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yes, you today, now you know. I knew yeah, you. Now that we've all learned something, hopefully we can all learn something else today. We're going to be talking about uh, Doctor Caliph. Um, yeah, Jim. What yeah, do we need to know about this. Let guy? me tell you a little bit about Dr. Robert Califf. He's a cardiologist and he's a, a researcher um, in various uh, various medical fields. Um, he spent most of his career at Duke University School of Medicine, where he founded the Duke Clinical Research Institute, um, funded heavily by various pharmaceutical companies. Um, he's currently an advisor to Verily Life Sciences, which is a Google, um, a Google joint and um, Google Health. And he's gotten paid a lot of money from Google. Um, he has had prior paid consulting work for Merck, Amgen, Biogen, Genentech, Eli Lilly, and some other um, lesser known pharmaceutical companies. He's a board member of Cytokinetics, a biopharmaceutical company. Um, so he's, uh, he is deep in the pharma establishment. And that's why um, some people in Congress don't trust him, don't like him. Has, um, he, has he garnered more no votes since the last time he was uh, nominated? Well, we haven't voted yet. But I mean, as far as like taking the taking the temperature of, of member, I know that there were there were four last time. 
Yeah, there were a, there was a lot more opposition to him the last time than turned up to vote. Mm. So the vote against him was eight, or the the vote for him was eighty nine to four, which means seven Democrats, including Bernie Sanders, didn't vote at all. Mm. And Sanders is one of the loudest voices against him. Yeah, interesting. Just decided um, to take a sick day that day, Bernie. Yeah. Uh, Caleb joined the FDA in uh, early 2015 as the Deputy Commissioner for Medical Products and Tobacco, <clears throat> a job I didn't know existed until Caleb came along. Um, in that job, he sort of worked hand in hand with the Center for Tobacco Products. And that was uh, early 2015. And then that slid right into his first stint as FDA Commissioner. He was nominated in um, September 2016 and uh, approved in February of 2017. So he was there um, somewhat dealing with tobacco during the launch of the deeming rule. I was just going to say that. Yeah, that's yeah, which he supported, although he wanted the flavor ban. And there was, as you I'm sure remember, a flavor ban in the deeming rule that was removed by the White House um, Office of Management, Management and Budget before it was released. Um, he, uh, he did some other stuff as commissioner that has pissed off various people. He deferred to CEDAR director Janet Woodcock, who's now the temporary the acting commissioner, on some controversial drug approvals. Basically, he just backed off and said, I trust Dr. Woodcock on this. And, you know, they approved several drugs that were advised against by the, um, by the advisory board. There's an advisory board on drugs the same as there is um, for tobacco. The tobacco one is called the Tobacco Product Scientific Advisory Committee. TIPSAC. The one that Janet Woodcock is not familiar with. Right doesn't know exists. He's never heard of it. <laughs> so, so, you know, before we go any further, let's mention that this could have been a lot worse um, because the first two people that were suggested that Biden might uh, nominate were Joshua Sharfstein and David Kessler. Um, Sharfstein's a former deputy commissioner with uh, deep ties to the Bloomberg organization. Mm. And David Kessler is a former FDA commissioner from the 90s who was the first one to try to regulate cigarettes as a drug, regulate tobacco as a drug. And that's where we'd be right now if not for one vote on the Supreme Court. He, he, he got beat by the tobacco companies five to four. And then soon after that, they started negotiating the Tobacco Control Act. Um, so this is one of those uh, lesser of three evils is still evil kind of situations. The lesser of three evils. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good uh, a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, Great. <laughs> so I'm going to offer you a couple highlights. Uh, actually, one big highlight. There's an article. I gave you the link. It's for um, an op-ed in the Association of American Medical Colleges uh, website. Probably there's a paper publication too. But during the E-Valley outbreak, he wrote this op-ed about um, vaping. 
and he made some recommendations. And he also noted what he would prefer personally if he could have his dream regulation of vaping. So his recommendations were that flavors should be banned immediately. And a campaign about the dangers of unregulated vaping should be dramatically increased. His second recommendation was that the timeline for enforced discretion, in other words, the, um, the FDA uh, enforcement discretion that allowed companies to remain on the market until a year after their PMTA had been submitted, the timeline must be brought back to as soon as possible. Now, this was in 2019. Um, we were still a ways away from the deeming deadline. And his third recommendation was that surveillance should be increased to identify individuals and groups selling vaping products to minors. You know, who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> then he said something interesting. He said, beyond these immediate measures, we need a national discussion of what to do about vaping and adults. As long as cigarettes and cigars are legal for adults, my assumption is that public appetite for prohibition of vaping products will be lacking. If improving longevity and functional status were our only goals, banning over-the-counter vaping products and instead assigning prescription-only status would be the most sensible approach. However, there's a widespread view in the United States. You can almost feel him sneering when he says this. There's a widespread view that adults have the right to choose harmful and addictive lifestyles, at least up to a point. Um, then, yeah, it's called autonomy. Well, he, wow. he's not entirely for it. Clearly. That, he I mean, it would be a little bit better if you let him choose. Right, um, right. Just throw human rights right out the window here. He said something weird here, which I think um, he probably got from Gottlieb, because these guys all hang out together. <laughs> um, it may be possible to distinguish between the vape tank style products, more commonly used by adults, and the disposable e-cigarettes and sleek rechargeable vaping devices whose appeal to teenagers and children may deserve particular attention. So he was suggesting, as Gottlieb had before, that maybe we should regulate open system products that contraptions are, as got that, that are sold in in adult only businesses more lightly than um, pods and disposables. They say this stuff, and then the, all the regulation they actually come up with accomplishes the exact opposite thing. But anyway. His, um, he, he, he did know what his preferred regulation would look like. It would require the tobacco industry to lower the amount of nicotine in its products to sub-addictive levels. So very low nicotine cigarettes, like New Zealand. <clears throat> it would ban, he would ban over-the-counter vaping products and support prescription-only vaping so that 30 million current tobacco users do not go through acute withdrawal all at the same time, which I think is a funny way of putting it. Um, then he said that outright, outright prohibition of vaping products seems impracticable on several grounds. 
First, there's a belief in personal freedom that's a dominant feature of American culture. That, that old personal freedom thing again. Um, additionally, uh, addictive substances with psychoactive properties, when banned, become economic and social substrates for illegal markets. In other words, there would be a black market. Quite right. Um, so that would stimulate dangerous business deals with associated violent and nonviolent crime, filling our prisons with people who would otherwise be contributing to society. Um, what an observation. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that he would say that, but also at the same time, encourage banning over-the-counter vaping products. So it's so like he, he recognizes the cons in this situation. He just doesn't care. I, I think that um, they just can't get past the idea that the um, medical model of um, treatment for nicotine use disorder is has to be the best thing. Right. We, they, they we just can't, can't allow individual They just can't freedom. get with the idea that this is a behavior. It's a behavior they don't like and not a medical issue. And that's it. Anyway, to, 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 to go on and finish my little, uh, my little story about Caleb here, he is um, supported by almost all the big medical groups in his um, attempt sure. at you know, getting approved here. Um, Tobacco-free kids uh, loves him. Matthew Meyer says, quote, he understands the urgent need for action to eliminate all flavored tobacco products including flavored e-cigarettes, menthol so cigarettes, and flavored cigars. I, I have to point out something before yeah. we go further. I, sorry to interrupt, but no, I know, okay. I've, I've, I've sat across from Matt Myers in, in radio things and um, next to him on a panel one time. Um, and he has certainly taken the opportunity to dismiss the prospects of a black market um, at the very least, downplay the idea that it will be anything concerning, which, of course, you know, we've seen just, you know, just from a, a budget standpoint, I think it was the Massachusetts State Police requesting an increase in their budget so that they could deal with uh, black market uh, vapor products. Um, yeah. And uh, but it's, it's interesting to me that they can, on one hand, support Robert Califf for nomination and on the other hand, dismiss his very clear and obvious warning about people going to an underground market. So anyway, just thought it'll that be, was worth It'll be interesting to see if that discussion becomes part of, uh, you know, of what I assume is going to be pretty generally bad stuff for vaping if he gets approved. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right about that. As you recall in that Massachusetts request for a budget increase, they needed money because their warehouses wouldn't hold all the black money. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't that in itself just be a huge red flag to the size of the illicit market we would be looking at? Well, you know, you can, if, if one state is like, hey, look, we're going to need a lot more money so we can store boat. all of this. You, know? you, can, you can solve it, Logan, by having by allowing on-site consumption in smoking <laughs> lounges. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I am, uh, I am almost, you know, never for increasing police budgets, particularly when it comes to housing um, and and storing harm reduction products. I think that's absolutely asinine. 
Um, but I, that's it's just a massive red flag, and it should be for everybody to the size and scope of what this this illicit market would look like. So I, I take this from Kayla, the discussion of a black market as kind of a really a secondary um, concern of his. I, I don't I don't think that's like a primary issue for him. Mm. And uh, I don't think the FDA, um, the CTP has showed any concern over potential black markets either, even while they're happening. You know, they're out there, the customs people are out there seizing pallets full of, you know, um, disposable. Rick and Morty's. (laughs) The Rick and Morty's. Pallets of Rick and Morty's. A um, scourge to the U.S. people. And at one point, uh, Puff Bar, and there's still all kinds of um, Puff Bar clone products and stuff like that. Sure. So I know you guys didn't get into the... um, synthetic nicotine um, thing too much. That was, uh, synthetic nicotine was the only topic brought up at his confirmation hearing in relation, or the only question uh, asked to him about vaping was about synthetic nicotine. And um, he said that we're pretty much need to get rid of it. Yeah, he said um, something something about closing the loophole. Yeah, we need to close something that along loophole. those lines. His quote was was basically just like, "We need to close this loophole." Yeah, that was it. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, um, and and that's how they view it. So, so if you watch, there was just a public health law center uh, video yesterday about synthetic nicotine. It's like their second or third one, um, and the topic is always addressed the same way. They equate puff bar and this one company that was quoted in Alex Narcia's article about announcing on Facebook, you know, it was a small e-liquid company announcing they were switching to synthetic nicotine and fuck the FDA, you know? And um, these people don't separate those two markets. It's all one thing to them. They don't get those um, gray market products in C stores are never, ever going away. All their policy, whatever their policy is, is going to affect is the the openly sold stuff in vape shops and um, legitimate online dealers. So, right. I mean, this is the same kind of equating when, you know, Juul is the only e-cigarette that exists or Juul is the only salt nicotine on the market like this this is the same when we think oh puff bar puff bar is how we we talk about synthetic nicotine that's the poster child for it um yeah and you know what scares the shit out of them is that um they don't have tests sensitive sensitive enough to tell if something's synthetic right because now that synthetic now that nicotine manufacturers are able to produce synthetic that has a very high or almost pure um, level of S nicotine. So there's S and R nicotine. Mm-hmm. S is what's in tobacco. And now they can produce synthetic S nicotine. So there's really no way to tell if it's synthetic or not. And you know, is there is do you know if there's a way for them to test for TSNAs? Yeah, they can. Would but, that be um, and, I think and, it's possible to purify the nicotine enough 
that the level the level of nitrosamines, um, so tobacco specific nitrosamines, right. or what PSNAs are, um, is so low that it's difficult. Um, you know, they want to have a simple test that they can use in the field to test. You know, right. They want to be able to walk into a vape shop, crack open a bottle of e-liquid, and and, and shove and a test strip down in it. Right. That's right. And, yeah. And it may require a lot more sensitive equipment in a lab to yeah. separate the two. Like a mobile, what is that, a spectrometer or whatever? <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, yeah. Right, mass mass spectrometry. Right. Spectrometry. Um, so to finish up with Caleb here, <clears throat> Bernie Sanders said at his hearing that nine out of 10 of the last FDA commissioners went on to work for or served on boards of directors in the pharmaceutical industry. And he said, quote, unfortunately, Dr. Caleb, you are not the exception to that rule. <laughs> so, I mean, there are, um, Sanders doesn't like him. Uh, Blumenthal doesn't like him. Markey and Merkley don't like him. Manchin hates him. Um, there are a lot of Democrats against him, but what happened the last time, and I think it will again, is that he'll get almost universal Republican support. Hmm. Um, they like him. They like the pharmaceutical industry and they like the free market. So it's not, uh, it's not, this is not a, a partisan, his approval is not going to be a partisan thing. You would think that there would be some folks on the right, though, that would realize that this would, that he would kind of shut down that free market here at least well, in this I, space I, I don't i don't think vaping is even an issue to anybody in the sun yeah fair enough yeah um so the last time he only had one vote against from a republican uh kelly ayotte who's no longer there and you know it looks like honestly if you watch that that two-hour hearing nobody seemed to be really um at odds with him, except for Sanders. What about that other guy that you wrote about? Um, Burr? I, I liked his No, comment. Burr loves him. Yeah, they're both from North Carolina. Burr, I mean. Burr loved him. But wasn't he the one saying you need to get your house in order and all that? About tobacco, yeah, but he's still going to vote for it. But he said... Let me see if I can find this. He said it was in your article. See, that's funny because the way I read it, was Burr Burr is the um, the Republican um, uh, ranking member of the committee, and he he along with the Democratic chairman of the committee got to make opening statements. So he had a long opening statement um, about the FDA, the problems at the FDA, and whatnot, but. He didn't make any, um, he didn't indicate in any way that he was opposed to Caleb. Well, I don't mean necessarily opposed to him, but reading this, um, reading this article here, the way I read this was more than a decade after receiving authority from Congress, FDA has recently issued the foundational rules to provide a regulatory roadmap for new and potentially less harmful tobacco products. And he yeah. said, and you, and you, and this is your article I'm reading, and it says, referring to the FDA's issuance of a final PTMA, P, 
PMTA rule a year after manufacturers were forced to submit applications. Continuing his quote, can you imagine if FDA did not have foundational regulations for the review of new drugs while still requiring products to submit applications? Despite 13 years and more than 7.5 billion in tobacco user fees, it has authorized under a pre-market pathway only one vapor product, a class of product that can provide new, potentially less harmful alternative for lifelong smokers. CTP is charged with the regulation of tobacco products, which includes a mission to regulate these products for the protection of public health. It's not meeting that mission either. According to the data FDA gave me him for in 2019, CTP spent millions on more on advertisements than it spent on enforcement actions for bad actors. Uh, should you be confirmed, Dr. Caleb, I would ask that you take a hard look at the tobacco center and get your house in order. And essentially the way I read that was that he was like, look, you have the potential to have um, help millions of smokers and get them on these safer products. And you are just botching, or not you, but you know, FDA is just yeah, botching well, it. Get that in order. What is going on here? And he, he well, seems that's, kind that's, of- That's right, favorable. but he's not, he's not blaming Caleb for it. No, I know. But he's kind of making a point that, look, if you get an office, we need to be approving more of these products. That's the way I kind of read it. We need yeah, to get So Burr is a North Carolina uh, senator with deep ties to the tobacco industry. Right. And you'll often hear people with ties to the tobacco industry um, <laughs> talk about harm reduction because it's the only good thing they have. Right. Um, so... And he's he's um, he has made speeches or comments like that at hearings and so forth for many years. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying um, he's going to be like one of the very few people in Congress who has that point of view about vaping regulations. Right. One of the very few. Maybe the, the link to your article in the chat. For and it's never, it's never, um, he's never stood up and stopped a bill that was passing because of this point of view. So, gotcha. okay. Yeah. Um, so he's all talk, little action. <laughs> well, I think it's just something he threw in there. I, I, I'm not saying he doesn't believe it. I'm, maybe he does, but um, I don't think he's going to make it a priority in his oversight of the FDA. Like it's right. something okay. he just kind of has to throw out there because of his ties? No, but he has appeasing to. Not, the, appeasing know, his I'm friend. Not, look, I'm not trying to um, to say that he's disingenuous or anything. I'm just saying he's made this speech before and nothing's changed. Sure. So um, I, I think that the big opposition to Caleb is coming from people who think that the FDA has botched opioid um, approvals and yeah. some other pharmaceutical, um, some other drug approvals, but primarily, and you'll recall, aside from uh, Sanders, the other people who got really passionate at his hearing were people talking about opioid approvals by the FDA, but they weren't mad at Caleb about it. So I don't, I, I don't think that any of those objections, including Burr's, uh, or the opioid people are are going to prevent Caleb from getting approved. I, I think he's pretty much in. Uh, you know, never say never. Who knows? But um, 
I doubt it. So if he does get approved, he's going to have to uh, get rid of his million dollar in unvested stock options with Santasa Pharmaceuticals. Um, his 850,000 in stock options from Cytokinetics. His 250 to 500,000 in Amgen stock and his 100,000 to 250,000 um, Gilead Sciences, also his Bristol-Myers Squibb stock. The man is like loaded, loaded with pharmaceutical investments. Wow. So it looks like it's the same old revolving door that this agency is always. I was, I was just gonna say the exact same thing, yeah. Uh, the, man, the guy is 70 years old. How much money do you need? Yeah. That you need to keep. And like, do you really need to take this on at 70 years old? Like, I would be I would be sitting on a beach with that kind of money somewhere else, not even thinking about synthetic nicotine. Wouldn't even be a thought in my mind. I'm thinking more about what why did you need to spend the last 10 years just racking up millions of dollars in pharma investments? What pass it on, generational wealth, Jim. I guess. Right? You, know. you can't take it with you when you go, but you can sure give it to your kids. Yeah. So. For now. Yeah, I, I think that's the mentality for a lot of the, the wealthy elite when you get to a certain age is, is your legacy, your lineage, what you can hand on, pass off at that point. But, but to take this position, like you said, at 70 years old, like, man. No, no, I don't, I, I don't think that's even unusual. I think that your average... Uh, cabinet member, and this isn't a cabinet position, but your average high-ranking person who's appointed by a president is in their 60s or 70s. That's common. And yeah. I mean, you know, look, like if we don't appoint old white men to positions of power, then how are we going to preserve the American dream? That's true. That's <laughs> so I, I could from here, I could smell the sarcasm in that all the way from here. <laughs> So interestingly, it looks like the reason that he wasn't appointed to begin with or, or Kessler or um, Josh Sharfstein is that they wanted either a woman or a minority um, person to nominate. And so we they, got... couldn't, they couldn't come up with anybody that like fit all the, you know, hit all the markers. So they just went with um, the acting commissioner for as long as they could and literally as long as they could she has to leave office right there's a there's a limitation for how long someone can be an acting yeah. commissioner they right? have to not they have to nominate somebody else before i think within nine months I, november was the was the um mid-november was the time when they had to have nominated somebody else yeah so um so i don't know i guess they gave up on um, <laughs> they gave up on worrying about the white, the old white man getting the FDA job like they always have in the past. Because they're but, so up uh, on innovation and technology. It's good. The older they are, the more they know about, you know, new innovative technology sure. things. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, again, that's sarcasm in case anybody's watching and thinks we're really saying that. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have any questions about I was wondering, based on, I mean, I guess you kind of answered my question is based on the, 
the little bit that he said, you, I mean, a lot of time has gone by since he last was in this position and had taken a position on vaping. Has he said anything about it outside of, you know, since, I mean, since he's, well, cause I don't know, I guess Gottlieb just kind of gave me a weird idea of what people do after they leave the FDA, they go on Twitter and start, you know, trying to talk to their fans, um, apparently. Um, <laughs> cause he just didn't disappear after that. So I don't know. Caleb just kind of disappeared after he left and went into back into the pharmaceutical industry, if I remember correctly. He went um, to Google. Went to Google. Um, oh, Google. Yeah. Maybe he, he does know about it. technology. <laughs> I'm sure that's why yeah. they hired him. Well, um, he knows, actually, he knows a lot about medical technology. Okay. So, so do you um, think? So I guess my question was: Do you think he's? changed any of his stances i mean a lot of time has gone by i mean a lot of stuff has happened since what, what was it 20 what year was he in 20 2016 so I, I okay so i thought i heard so 2000 2019 is when he wrote that op-ed okay where he so that's said recent. really the best thing would be to have prescription only vaping but you know it's too they're not going to have prescription only vaping so he's he's working with what he has and the, the questions that I that I think they're going to face uh, at the FDA now. Well, first of all, they're going to have to appoint a new Center for Tobacco Products director because Mitch Zeller is retiring. Right. And he noted in his talk that that was one of the most important things he has to do. Um, so there, you're going to there... have this guy, this anti-vaping guy, and Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra, definitely an anti-vaping guy working together to come up with the tobacco products director. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously that's just going to be wonderful. Yeah. I don't know. You, you know, you know, people surprise you, you never know exactly what they're going to do, but whoever takes that job will be somebody similar to Zeller probably in their ability to navigate bureaucracy and um, deal with an administration and, you know, there's a lot to it besides your point of view on vaping. Sure. But, but there are a lot of bad candidates that you can just run them through your head. Anybody who's ever been involved with government and has a position on vaping and is considered a tobacco product expert, there's a lot of bad people that they could choose. I, I imagine we'll get another, another, yet another lawyer who uh, is very good at delivering non-answers and citing statute. So. Right, right. I'm talking about um, a continuum of risk that never actually makes it into any of the policy. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so well, the questions I have for what will happen if Caleb gets uh, appointed or gets um, confirmed. Are they going to fight tooth and nail in court to maintain the current PMTA criteria where they came up with this last second shadow ban of flavors by saying that, you know, you have to produce special evidence to show that flavors are worthwhile? Are they going to really stick with that? Because it looks to me like there's going to be more than one circuit court that's not going to accept that. Hmm. Um, we don't know. They haven't got beyond, you know, motions for stays, but it, it looks like that that might not make it. And in that case, are they going to go back to the drawing board on the 
on the deeming rule and the PMTA thing, or are they just going to rejig the PMTA to make it acceptable? Yeah, any of those options just sound like lawsuits. Well, there's lawsuits everywhere, but the question is, are they going to like just go to the mat to maintain the idea of no flavors being approved? Right. Um, if if they do, then that's terrible for us. Um, are they going to ever approve products that a substantial number of people use? So already not approve, use. Not approve, authorized, but um, right. You know the uh, the view solo doesn't have a deep fan base. No. Um, are, are is synthetic nicotine uh, going to be an immediate problem? Are they going to? I guess you, we answered some of that with this bill. Um, by the way, we don't even know what this bill entails. Right, we were saying that. That's what I mentioned. It's something that I'd like to revisit here once we actually have uh, full text. But Um, I have a a point here, which is that that bill might not just give FDA authority over synthetic nicotine. It might add a tax to all nicotine. It might do any number of things that they want to do now. Um, Yeah, they don't have the text up on the congressional plan. Yeah, they throw it all into one bill and, and then it gets picked apart and torn apart from there as it moves through committees and things like that. So, um, so the yeah, other like big- I said, it's definitely something we're going to be talking much more about once we actually oh, have yeah, the yeah. bill text. And So uh, is the other big tobacco regulatory questions for Caleb are, uh, what are they going to do about menthol cigarettes, which they're kind of under the gun to produce... Um, and they've they've said they're going to they're going to ban them, and also very low nicotine cigarettes. Are they going to try to do what Gottlieb tried to do? Now Caleb has said before he would he wants to do that. That's one of his three big things that I mentioned earlier that he wanted to do. So if they're if they're trying to take the nicotine out of cigarettes, which you know. I really bet that, that that won't happen for like 10 years, even if they try to pass a rule now. Um, there's going to be some, the the court fights are over that are going to be uh, extensive. I was going to say that just the, just the, the lawsuits alone and how long those court battles are going to take. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody else who has proposed that has uh, admitted that there need to be popular non-combustible nicotine products like vapes available for people if they expect to stave off a black market in cigarettes. Yeah. Now, I, I think they're going to have a black market no matter what. Well, yeah, the vapes aren't going to stop we, that. We already no. do. I mean, there's already there's already an illicit black market. Good Lord, we need to give police more money for warehouses so they can put all of them somewhere. Yeah. And I live in a state where over half the cigarettes sold in this state are already illicit. So... Uh, I mean, it, it's not a matter of if there's going to be a big black market. It's just a matter of how much bigger is it going to get, you know? Yeah. Well, so so the thing is, what we have to deal with with Caleb here is something that we haven't had since Gottlieb, which is an FDA commissioner who's probably going to get involved and maybe micromanage tobacco policy. Mm. The other people since Gottlieb have not really cared that much about it. 
They're right. very very focused on medical issues. And Caleb is too, opioids. But, but he's gonna he's gonna be um, in on the decisions that are made on tobacco stuff from here on out. Yeah, because he's actually got an opinion. Yeah, right. So we have a lot of work cut out for us, is what you're telling me, Jim. Probably. Cool. <laughs> Great. Is there really anything we can do about it, though? Right. I mean, right, is there yeah. any, really anything we can? You do can encourage your senators to vote against his his um, confirmation. How much time do sure. we have? Uh, somewhere between one week and four months. But so as you this, say, is this that, something that we could not do? Really any other options. It'll be January or February. Probably. Is this something that we could do uh, as like a like a call to action or something to to you know, contact it, senators and encourage them? Like this is probably more of a behind the scenes discussion, but in my opinion, it would be um, a waste of energy to get everybody mobilized to. Um, yeah. I mean, he's it's 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 pretty much a, a done deal, right? That's kind of what I'm saying. thinking. Is if, yeah. if if this is even something that we, the, you know, the the, the real the the not the not immediate concern, but the real concern here, I think, is going to be whatever ends up being in this um, nicotine bill, uh, right. and, and you know, we we've all we've talked about this for years. I mean, you know, even back in uh, you know 2014, 2015, when people were talking about you know, proposing changes to the Tobacco Control Act. Well, if you get in there and start monkeying around, everybody else is going to show up with their ideas and you may end up with something a lot worse than what we currently right. have. So, you know, same is true for the FDA commissioner. You know, you right. get rid of this guy. Well, guess who's waiting in the wings? That's what I was going to uh, ask. Right. Who, like, who the like we said, be? this is the, the lesser of three evils. Yeah. So is and, it is it worth even <laughs> pursuing something like that? Could we end up with, Josh one of Shelton. the other more yeah, more evil of the three evils. Right. You, you could, know? I mean, but I don't think that uh, if there if there is enough opposition to this guy to keep him from getting uh, confirmed, it's going to come from people who are upset about the FDA and opioids, sure, and upset about his pharmaceutical connections. Um, it's not right. going to be over puff bars and jewels. Well. He aligns with their beliefs on puff bars and jewels. So. Right. I, I I think I don't know if you 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 answered this in in your kind of list of questions about Caliph, but um, and I, I I may be sort of mischaracterizing you know Mitch Zeller's participation in the AAP lawsuit, um, but you know in in Zeller's brief, I I got the impression that he was. Um, maybe a little bit more than, than dutifully uh, uh, defending the agency's enforcement discretion. Yeah. Uh, and, and I imagine, you know, this is sort of, this is something you sort of see in, it, you definitely see it in among different law enforcement agencies. You know, it's really the first, the first, you know, if it's the sheriff's departments up on, you know, first on the scene, it's their case. They want it. You know, people are trying to sort of mark their territory and, and get their good deeds done and do their job and all this. So I, I don't know if that same sort of enthusiasm for an, a regulatory agency's turf exists, particularly with the FDA. But my question is, is Kessler, I mean, is, is Calif going to, it's bad that I'm already confusing the two, uh, is Calif, um, you know, going to stand up for FDA's 
uh, enforcement discretion, or is he going to kind of pitch it to Congress and say, hey, here are the changes that you need made so that we can do what you want us to do? Probably both. I mean, (laughs) so they do, they do sort of jealously guard their, um, their turf from, uh, but they also know when they have to back down and like step aside. So I don't think that that sudden last minute uh, surprise switcheroo to like get rid of flavored products came from Zeller and the FDA. I think that, or from the Centers for Tobacco Products. I think Janet Woodcock said, you know, laid down the law and said, you need to find a way to stop these flavors from getting on the market because I just got reamed by Congress. Mm. You know, I don't think, I don't think it's what they intended to do. No. and it looks that way too. It looks like it's a cobbled together thing at the last second with using like, you know, tricky wordplay to, to imply that there was some requirement that they, you know, do these certain kinds of trials. And that stuff was not in the, in the PMTA requirements. So they just pulled it out of their ass at the last minute. And there's a reason for that. And I think it's pressure from Obama either Woodcock or Becerra. Well, we are uh, quickly approaching kind of the the end of this here today. Um, Quickly approaching that that two hours that Jim loves because it's not alive. (laughs) It's a special uh, holiday ver- edition of the so we every every time two hours. <laughs> we'll three hours. Listen, if if Jim had his way, this show would be five minutes long, and that no, would be it. One hour, one hour would be the time. <laughs> There's no way that we can talk about all these wildly important things in one hour, Jim. I know you just have to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> It's too much. Well, too I much would I would like to say thank you for coming on and educating yeah. us all. Um, about yeah. Caleb, I think this spurred from my questions initially, um, because I I was unaware of a lot of um, his history and, and and whatnot going into this. So I appreciate all of that. That definitely answers a lot of my questions, and I'm sure that it answers a lot of questions for for our viewers and listeners as well about who uh, we very most likely will be um, seeing at FDA. Um, do we have any other questions yeah, for Jim in particular while we have Jim here? We don't always have Jim here. So if there's anyone in chat right now uh, that wants to take this opportunity to ask Jim any real comments, but deep I didn't really personal see a questions, lot of... right now is your chance. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but otherwise, <laughs> I, I saw a lot um, of comments, but not really any questions. Yeah, I figure I'm just going to kind of, if we're, if we're good, um, with this, I can kind of start rolling through our our wrap up. And uh, if any questions do come in, uh, absolutely. William Holcomb says, thank you for the video. For sure. Every week. Absolutely. Um, but that's I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. Everybody, thank you to everybody who tuned in today. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for hanging out with us while we while we go through all of these things. For podcast listeners, there will be two versions available of this podcast. You'll be able to listen to the full version and there will also be a shorter much more condensed legislative rundown version oh i just thought of one thing we didn't bring up uh for anybody who missed it or if you didn't see the blog post um 
Matt Cully was on with oh, Ethan yeah, Nadelman on Ethan Nadelman's podcast, Psychoactive. It's the first post. It's the feature picture. Definitely go check it out. It's a really good interview with Matt. Uh, and of course, I, I just feel like touched and privileged that that Ethan Nadelman uttered the the acronym of our organization. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that feels like some sort of life goal that we've done as an organization. Um, so definitely check it out. Yeah. For people who aren't aware, uh, Ethan Nadelman is the uh, previous director for DPA, uh, Drug Policy and, Alliance. And founder. And founder. founder. Uh, they were initially, oh gosh. The Linda Smith. Yes. Founder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before they were before they were Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, but yeah, huge shout out to Matt. He did an excellent job uh, in that interview. Yeah. Uh, he represented not only Casa but all of us uh, very well. Um represented all of us consumers very well so huge shout out to matt thanks matt you did a great job it's a great episode and i think everybody uh Kristen, can we get a link maybe to that in chat um i know it's somewhere it's definitely in the blog post though so yeah, it's in the, i was gonna top. say it's in the it's in the blog post but it's not the top matt's the feature picture but if you scroll down uh, i actually embedded the podcast itself in the um blog post and i'm scrolling down trying to find it right now because i didn't have we'll definitely we'll definitely get I will, it in. i will drop that definitely get it posted and and again if you miss if you miss the the chat if you miss it in the chat it is it is in this week's blog post all of those links links to everything we've talked about today will be uh not only on the the podcast on the soundcloud they'll be available on youtube they'll be available for you on facebook as well so you'll definitely be able to go check that out and i would highly recommend it um, also, if you if you haven't joined CASA, now is a great opportunity. Right when we get done here, head over to CASA.org. Becoming a member is absolutely free, uh, and you get up to up to date information on everything going on. Um, what else? What else? What else is a recent thing that I have to add to this ending spiel? Merch, merch. Go check out the merch shop. Danielle Jones has done an excellent job with all of our updated merch. Some sweet T-shirts. I gotta get me one. All I have right now is just the the New York one, which I don't even think we do anymore. Maybe we do. I don't know if we do anymore. But I know the updated new stuff is really sweet. Head over there, check that out. Otherwise, I think that's it. I think that's it for us. Um, everybody, thank you one last time to everybody out there tuning in. Be excellent to each other, you guys. Stay safe out there. And we will be here next week, same time, same place, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30. No, we won't. We won't. I got to leave that out. We will be back in three weeks. Yeah. We'll see you next Three weeks. We'll be back. Three weeks. Just trying we'll to get a... Two weeks. We're off. Three we're weeks. off till next year. I get in the habit. I'm just <laughs> like, you know, we'll be back. No worries. Yeah, we won't be back. Two weeks will be gone. So we'll be back in three weeks after the beginning of the new year. Um... Otherwise, same time, same place, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 over on the other side of the country. And you got to do the math for yourself everywhere else around the world. That's it for us, everybody. Take care. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Happy holidays and happy new year.